1: their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in the temple. He who sits on the throne will spread His tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He'll lead them to springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Talk about mercy. People are going to be saved during this awful time.
0: Our God is a merciful God. He hates sin, and His heart breaks over every soul that chooses to reject His extension of grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. As Pastor Danny will remind you in today's message, Christ could return at any time and cut off all of those that refuse to repent, but instead He tarries, allowing more time for the world that He loves to come to Him. Even after His second coming, though He has every right to withhold His grace, He will accept and redeem those that turn to Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 6 with part 2 of today's message, The Great Tribulation and Mercy of God.
1: 11. In the streets they cry out for wine, but there's no wine available. All joy turns to gloom. All gaiety is banished from the earth. There are no birthday parties. There are no Christmas parties. Thanksgiving. There's no no gaiety. It's gone. Verse 19. The earth is broken up. The earth is split asunder. The earth is thoroughly shaken. The earth reels like a drunkard. It sways like a hut in the wind. So heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. It's a massive judgment. It's universal. It's like the flood in Noah's day. Nobody, nobody will escape. Not only is it a massive judgment. We must not miss this second point. We must not miss this. It's a moral judgment. Some people have a hard time. They read about this or they hear about it and they say, oh, that's a God. And some people think that the God of the Old Testament, he's the God of wrath. And wait a minute. It's the same God. Not two different gods. God didn't get saved from the Old Testament and the New Testament. God didn't become a Christian. It's a moral judgment. Just peek ahead. Revelation chapter 15. As things Go from bad to worse to cataclysmic. Ultimately, Revelation chapter fifteen, verse one. Then I saw. John says in heaven another angel, great and marvelous, uh, or another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues, because with them God's wrath is completed. You go to Revelation chapter sixteen and verse one. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. And then I want you to note verse 4 as it begins to intensify. Verse 4, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, here's what he says, you are just in these judgments. You who are and who were the holy one because you so judged. But they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets and you've given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. It's a moral judgment. Absolutely holy. Absolutely pure. But I thank God for the third point. While it's massive, while it's moral, it's also merciful. It's merciful. I specifically, intentionally left out two verses in Second Peter a few moments ago. And I want to put that whole scripture up in the context second Peter again only I've placed back the two verses uh, so you can see it all in context by the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men but do not forget this one thing dear friends with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as the martyrs call out, when are you going to end this thing? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now think about this. Why in the world does it have to be seven years? God could just go here, smack, you're done. When you get to the end of the book of Revelation, that's how God kind of ends the whole thing. When there's one final rebellion, it says he just, by the sword of his mouth, he just lays them out and that's over. But here's seven years. And it's a gradual intensity. Why? Because he wants people to be saved. He doesn't want anybody to perish. It's massive, it's moral, but it's also merciful. Go back with me. After chapter 6, look at chapter 7. Revelation 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any other tree. Holding back the ultimate judgment. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, 2 Corinthians 1 are verses that tell us the seal of the living God is the Holy Spirit. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. These are called the elect as a whole group. Jesus said, for the sake of the elect, Those days will be shortened. Otherwise, nobody would survive. Then I heard the number of those who were seated. 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. I don't need to read from verses 5 and on, but 12,000 Jews from each tribe with what I believe is a special calling. As they finally have their eyes open, they see that Jesus really is the Messiah They believe the gospel, the death, the bearer, the resurrection of Christ. They receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And now they become witnesses in this terrible time, especially to the nation of Israel. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit. They are saved in the midst of the great tribulation. That's mercy because they don't deserve it. Let me just give you one scripture. You don't need to turn to it, but in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, when God is leading the children of Israel into the land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey, here's what he says to them. Uh, You're not going in here because you deserve it. It's not because of your righteousness, because you're a stiff-necked people. How'd you like to hear that? (laughs) You don't deserve it. It's by my grace. It's by my mercy. (laughs) Because you're hard-headed. You're stubborn. But he saves host of Jewish people that are stiff-necked stubborn and then after this chapter 7 verse 9 after this John says I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation tribe people language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worship God saying, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And notice, notice in verse 13 that one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where do they come from? Now, these aren't the Jewish population being saved. This is the Gentile population. And the question is asked by John. To John, who are these and where do they come from? And john got some smarts here. Here's what he says. "Uh, Sir, you know. In other words, I don't know. Tell me. Look at the answer. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Technically, it's not the church. The church, I believe, has been raptured. But you have a host of Jews being saved. Israelites and you have a host of mutts <laughs> Gentiles being saved and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb therefore they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them never again will they hunger never again will they thirst the sun will not beat on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd he'll lead them to springs of living water they'll wipe God will wipe away every tear from their talk about mercy people are going to be saved during this awful time unfortunately that brings me to my fourth and final point and it's sad and I pray for some sobering it's a massive judgment it's a moral judgment but it's a merciful judgment God's going to save people but it's a judgment number four It's mostly ignored and even rebelled against. Revelation chapter 14, catch this. Verse 6, here John says, I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel, the message of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. To proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment is come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. My Baptist brothers and sisters taught me as a young Christian that when the church fulfills what we call the great commission, which we're given by Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, that's important And we should be responsible and we should be looking to fulfill that commission Jesus gave us. But if I'm going to be very biblical, the fulfillment of the gospel going to all the earth is not through the church and not even through a human being. It's an angel. Jesus, again, in Matthew 24, in answer to the disciples' question, what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Here's what he says. One of the things he says is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. And right here in Revelation 14, as we approach the end of the great tribulation, just prior to Jesus coming back in his second coming, God sends an angel around the whole planet And he calls out in a loud voice, and he is giving the last call. And he shares the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Jesus is the answer. He's calling out around the world. It's going to happen. And let me show you how some respond. Chapter 16. Same chapter, the angels going around the world with the gospel. Verse eight, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify Him. They're G D N and J C N, and but it's not in glory. It's not in worship. It's not in praise. It's not in repentance. Even though they know God has control, they're just cursing him. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony. This is is even Antichrist. God wants even the Antichrist. If he would come to his senses, Jesus died for him. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. You might be saying, I'm not one of those people, man. If things were going on like that in my world, I'm going to just be saved. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Really? Some outright rebelled. But then finally, Jesus, again, in answer to the disciples' question, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? He said in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 41, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. At the end of the tribulation period and during that time, it will be like in the days of Noah. What's it going to be like? People marrying, giving in marriage, up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And here's what it says. Fascinating. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came. How could they not know anything? How could they not know what was going to happen? For 120 years, did you hear me? 120 years. They heard Noah. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But you can be saved. You can be saved from the judgment. And while he's preaching for 120 years, he's building this massive boat. And some people are probably going, wait, what a nut. He's not even by the ocean, really. Or a big lake. And he's building this massive, massive Oh! And while he's building it, he's saying judgment is coming. But this is your salvation. The ark is a type of Christ. And as you go into the ark and God closes you in, you are in Christ. And when the judgment comes, you don't have to worry because you're in Christ. Wow, well, that's exciting because I'm saved. How many people got in the ark? Eight people. Eight people after 120 years of God warning them. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Because you know what people think? People think, well, you know, even if you believe it, it's not going to happen. Today. I got time. So my final question, my final question is not how close we are to the great tribulation. I believe we're close. I believe we're close. You can't study biblical prophecy and not look up and go, our redemption draws nigh. I know of no other prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place in the beginning of the great tribulation. I believe it's coming soon. All right, let's say I'm wrong. Well, the Lord today is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. Let's say it's a thousand years from now. So my final question is not how close are we to the great tribulation? My question, my question is how close are you <laughs> to the end? You say, well, i got time. How do you know that? I don't have to make a decision today. Whoa. Today's the day of salvation. God says that repeatedly. Today, 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 today. Why today? Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, to die. Am I trying to scare you? Absolutely. If I can scare you into heaven and scare the hell out of you, in the name of Jesus, absolutely I'm trying to scare you. Absolutely. God, this is supernatural because nobody can yell like that with the cold that I have. So God wanted me to yell at you. And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be dramatic or sound spiritual, but God seemed to say to me in my spirit, as I was preparing for this message, as you deliver this message, somebody's going to get saved. Maybe it's you. God didn't give me names. I got tell my, oh, it's, it's the 11 o'clock service. They're really I don't know. I don't know who. I, I just felt in my spirit. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I just felt in my spirit as I deliver this message. Somebody's going to say it, and it may be somebody you've grown up in the church. You know everything about Jesus. He lives in your home. He just doesn't live in you. Lives in your mom. Lives in your dad. Lives in your wife. Lives in your husband. Lives in your kid. But but he doesn't live in you. So has, you're not going to go with them. Just because you live with them and know them. You're not going to. Look, everybody's got to make their own decision. And I'm so excited. Because I really believe. You're watching my live stream, you're hearing the service with us, and you know God's got your number in a good way. And this is the decision that determines your eternal destiny. Now you're going to go from fearing death. Never, ever fearing death again. From worried about hell and all the future to now having the peace of God. You like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that's you. You just pray in your spirit. He he hears you. You don't have to say it audibly. He hears you. You just say in your spirit, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you. The rest of this life. In Jesus name. Amen. I always know what time it is. But you got to give me what I'm going to take. Just a couple minutes. Look, you're watching my live stream. You're here physically in the service. You just prayed that prayer. Sometimes I'll give people an opportunity to stand. I don't feel led to do that this morning. Jesus said, though, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you. There is no such thing as a Christian incognito. And there's going to come a time... Could be today. Who knows? Where you're going to have the opportunity to confess Christ publicly. Maybe in your family. Maybe in school. Maybe with friends. I don't know where. I don't know how. But it's going to come. It's going to come. If you really were serious and you really prayed that prayer. The time's coming when you're going to have to show whether it's real or not. And if it's real, do not be ashamed. I want to encourage you. You'll need courage. You'll need courage. You need courage. And make sure you take that first step because the next ones are easier. That first one, man, it, I mean, it's, it's, I remember. I remember. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Don't be ashamed of saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. Last but not least, you need to get involved in the church. If you're not a part of this church or any church, you need to find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church and do more than just go on a Sunday morning. You need to get involved in some fellowship groups. You need to get involved in some uh, small groups. You need to get involved relationally. You need to, as often as possible, get around big mouth people like me that can feed you the Word of God. You're born again. You're a babe in Christ. You need bottle feeding. You need somebody to feed you. And, And you just suck it in, suck it in, suck it in. And over time, you'll go from Gerber... The Honey Nut Cheerios, to Spiritual Steak, you know. You'll be a self-feeder, you know. But it's a growth. It's a growth process. It's a growth process. It's a growth process. But you need to now start taking some steps that you'll grow in the Lord. Last but not least, not only an opportunity to confess Christ publicly, but now an opportunity in your world. And your world is different than my world. You'll be around people I'll never be around. Nothing wrong with inviting people to church. Nothing wrong with that. You say, well, invite them to church. Let Pastor Danny give them the gospel. Well, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I'm going to give them the gospel. But why don't you give them the gospel? What if they don't come to church? What if they're not going to get saved and not come to church until they get saved? Unless you share with them. You say, how am I going to do that? The same way you told them you're a Christian. It's not a complicated message. Jesus died for you. God loves you. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. And he was buried and he rose again so that you might have new life. And if you'll just share with them the simple and yet powerful message of the gospel, who knows, they might get saved just like you got saved. So God's called us to be witnesses. Because look, Jesus is coming, man. Jesus is coming. And even if his coming is a thousand years off, people are dying. People who have died, they have no more chance. Only ones who have a chance are the ones that are around us. Let's go get them for Jesus.
0: so blessed to be able to share the word of God with you on each new edition of the living word thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience and thanks for tuning in today we'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world would you join us in praying for the listeners of the living word pray that God would touch each person with his love and open their hearts to the truth of his word please pray also for us We want to continue following God's plans for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible, so as to not distract from the Word. That does incur some costs, however. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Any amount is used for this ministry and is greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying about this. While you're at our website, you'll be able to listen to additional teachings from this series in Revelation, as well as learn more about the Living Word. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We pray God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His love and grace. Thanks for listening today to The Living Word.